skydiving. This is amazing. Yeah, but you know what else is amazing? An iPhone 6S for just 49 bucks at Metro. Really? Imagine streaming all the way down with that amazing camera. I'm switching. That's smart. You know what else is smart? Parachutes. Woo! Switch to Metro and get an amazing iPhone 6S for only 49 bucks. Metro by T-Mobile. Phone offer requires porting of number not currently active on T-Mobile network or active on Metro in past 90 days. See store for details and terms and conditions. Back chat with Maria McKenna. Gordon, known to pretty much everyone as Flash, is a chef, publican, entrepreneur, and a forward thinker. He loves a project and isn't afraid to take on something he believes in. He's made his home in Waterford, not that far from his native Wexford, and could never be accused of resting on his laurels and the success of his businesses, Revolution, Oscars, and also the phenomenally successful Boxworks. In this Backchat one-on-one, Flash talks about how he got where he is today, how he's still full of ideas and love for what he does, and he also shares some of his plans for the future. Backchat with Maria McCann. Now, as I was saying to you on the way out here, Flash, you always strike me as somebody that if I was sitting in a room and I went, wouldn't it be great if we could do such and such a thing? Then I'd talk myself out of it with all the obstacles. But you'd be the type to go, well, like, that's doable. All we need to do is X, <laughs> Y, and Z, and it would just happen. Were you always that kind of a, a doer? I, th- I think so. Um, from early days being a chef and stuff like that and getting in and getting things organised and stuff like that, then I suppose becoming involved with Chamber of Commerce then Business Group and all that, there's always a, a sense of positivity, pushing it forward and, you know, coming up with new ideas, uh, you know, especially in retail, in pub trade, in restaurant trade. I was involved as a consultant for restaurants and bars for a while as well. And you had to go in and, and just get a mishmash of a place and make it work and you know be devil's advocate Mm. and all that but not always good like I've had uh, two young lads came in to me a couple of years ago and they're going oh we're opening a coffee shop and we're doing this we're doing that and and I'm going where are you doing it and he goes oh you know that building that's now Skechers besides Supermax Mm. he said in there and I said that's 80 or 90 thousand a year that'll never make it as a coffee shop oh well sure there's thousand quid margin on coffee and you put a coffee together for about 50 cent like and sell it for 253 quid and I go lads but what about your overheads like uh, you know a machine is 13, 14 thousand and you're going to need two of them and you're going to need staff and this and this and I talked them out of it and thank God I did because they would have lost their shirt does, it, does that strike you sometimes that people have these great ideas but then they don't think it through properly and they don't think of it's a great idea like it's like when people move to Spain to run a bar you know they think this is going to be great it's going to be like being on holidays all the time with our own beer you know instead of thinking about the real practicalities they don't speak a word of Spanish they don't know anything about the system they don't True. you know yeah. I wake up every morning with mad ideas you know everyone gets on to me where'd you come up with this where'd you come up with that and you know I have to knock half of them on the head because they're just totally impractical yeah but see you but, have the smarts to do that I think not everybody does but, I think but, some people run away with their idea. They but we, we have a good team around, like with, with Maraid and Keith and Oscars, Sarah and Kim in, in Revolution, Emer in Boxworks, and, you know, I'll walk into Boxworks and I have this idea with this and this and this, and she's gone, don't be stupid, like that will <laughs> never work. But then we'll sit down with some of the tech heads and all that. Like my, my latest idea is um, in the hospitality trade, there's a thing called HACCP hazard analysis of critical control points meaning that from the time the food arrives at the back door of the kitchen 
you check off that it's ordered, that it's the right temperature, the van was lean, it's in date, uh, where it's stored is right, where it's cooked is right, cooked chill, all the way mm. through. And I came up with the idea of, you know, everyone uses paper. I talked to the guys in Centra, in Tesco, you know, hotels. I, I designed um, an Excel sheet for doing it years ago, so I do it all on computer. And I'm going, why can't we have an app for this? So I'm working with a, a developer at the moment. Uh, that's costing probably an arm and a leg and all that to get this but I'm confident that if we roll this out every hotel, bar, restaurant, cafe in the country could have it and it will simplify life for chefs and front of house staff to-do lists, all that kind of thing. Are you a gambler then or do you uh, kind of think things well, through Boxworks before Boxworks was a gamble. Them? Well, how did that um, start? <laughs> truly. <laughs> Um, auctioneer Connor Parcel. Um, I Connor, is that building for sale? I'd love to live there, Connor. So I, I always live in weird buildings. My uh, my first house we used to call the TARDIS was the one on the corner of Yellow Road and Morrison's Road. With a, <laughs> it was a weird shape on the outside, but huge on the inside. And I bought that at the age of 23, 24 and did it up. And it was like black walls and what was cool back then. I cringe at it now. I was just going to say you're embarrassed by it now. Yeah, my second one, I sold that and I bought what we called the warehouse on Wellington Street, which was the old modern motors. WLR used to be upstairs back in the day. Bought that and that was a 60 foot by 30 foot sitting room uh, with 18 foot high ceilings, balcony bedrooms, all that kind of thing. And, you know, it was just flight of fancy but it was cheap as chips it was 70 grand or something and I think I spent 30 or 40 on it uh, back in two, 1999 2000 and we'd go out to the pub at night time when I was a chef back then not a publican <laughs> I was a chef back then so I had nights off and all that kind of thing and um I said, oh, I'll come back to my house. And people would walk in. It was down a real dark alleyway. And then a <laughs> yellow door, a little small, and you walk into this huge place. And two girls uh, came back with us one night. It was about 20, so I went back to the house with cans and all that, two o'clock in the morning. And the two girls turned out to be from RTE in City Square. And they were going, oh, this would be great on Beyond the Hall Door. <laughs> two days later, I had a guy knocking on the door. Uh, the girls told me to call to you and all that. And I said, oh, we had a party last night and place is not the best and all that. And he said, look, at, I'm looking at six or 700 places. There's going to be eight shows. And he said, look, at, don't worry about it. It'll just take me a couple of minutes. So I brought him in. He walked in. He went, I just need to get a camera from the car. And next thing came back in this big camera up on his shoulder going, lads, look at this, lads, look at this. <laughs> so that was that. And then uh, that got knocked down and rebuilt. And I took an apartment, an open plan apartment on the top floor with a roof garden. Nice. And that was quite cool. The developers paid for everything because they wanted my property. <laughs> and I was walking down look, Patrick's... Those kind of deals I've never I had know, one, yeah. I love them. <laughs> And I was walking down Patrick Street one day and I was looking at this big building and I was going, I wonder what's happening with that. You know, it's been empty for years. And I said to Connor, you know what's happening? He said, that's not for sale, it's not for sale, it's in Nama, it's in Nama. And I used to hassle him every now and again when we met for coffee and all that. And one day he turned around and he goes, your building is for sale. I said, what, revolution? And he said, no, 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 when you're looking at Patrick Street. And I was going, oh. and he said, but it's quite expensive. And I was going, oh. I'll get a bank loan or something like that. I can afford it. And um, my idea was to live there. But the building is ginormous. Like mm. it's, 
you know, 5,000 square foot of floor. So I was just going, yeah, I live on the top floor, penthouse, and then the third floor has a garden. No, I live there. <laughs> and then I was going, I'm going to have to pay for this some way. So luckily Lloyd's took the ground floor straight away. So that's the biggest single floor of hairdressing in Ireland. And then above it, then I seen the co-working idea. Emer Powell used to work for Fumbly. Um, I went to Dublin to look at Dog Patch and a couple of other places. And said, yeah, we can do this. Mm. And then we built it. And then we we're going, please let people come in. And slowly but surely it's ticked. And now it's full. And we're not even there two years. That's amazing. And then a couple of ex-Google guys came in. And they were looking at an office. No, it's not big enough, not big enough. And I said, have a look at the top floor. I haven't done anything to it, but you can take the whole floor. And they went up and signed a deal that day. So I was just pure lucky. I'm saying you're homeless. No, no, they, they did the top floor. I'm still in the middle. I'm still so in the middle. the one with the garden. Yeah, Imra would throw me out tomorrow if she could. But we're, we're so full now, we're working on Boxworks too, which is going to be behind Revolution, the old casino premises and basement bar. And that's going to be 20 odd offices for teams of two to 20 because Boxworks is small offices up to two or three people. Mm. We've lost a couple of companies because they got very big, very fast. Okay. So we're sort of looking for growth now and doing this kind of thing. See, but this is why I never amount to anything. Because I'd be thinking about that idea now and I'd be going, oh, but you're the people in the office next door to be getting on me nerves and wouldn't be able to concentrate. And I talk <laughs> myself out. I would talk myself out of the idea of co-working. Yes, yeah. This is why I will be poor forever. Well, Gen- Jennifer O'Connell is is our uh, go-to lady and Richard Roger. Uh, Jennifer uh, said, nah, I couldn't afford something like that. I work from home, you know, but then the kids are around and then I'm thinking I have to do washing and clean the house and the husband will be home five o'clock to dinner, better be ready and all mm. that kind of thing. And um, she, we do Bank of Ireland scholarship desks where there's four desks. If you have a good idea, apply to Bank of Ireland and they'll give you a desk for six months with a mentor. So we've mentors coming in every couple of weeks to how's your business going? Mm. Where do you need to go? Can we help you with anything? This kind of thing. So Jennifer came in on a desk and then I'd say she was in a month or two. Oh, I need an office. That's it. <laughs> this is this is where I need to be. And she's one of our greatest advocates. She wrote about it on um, the Irish Times on mm. the, the section she does. Uh, the program stressed was brilliant program yeah that was based mm. out of box works and are walking up and down the hill and in now the offices and that kind of thing and then we've richard roger uh, who is a serial entrepreneur he had um feed henry which became red hat he got bought out of that then he had near farm in tremor got bought out of that now he's he, working he just on, strikes me as someone who likes a project oh yeah yeah and he's working on vox gig now yeah which is his new cool one and he just he talks to everyone about the space and uh, we did some interviews the two of us before and he's just gone it's the coolest place to work and you know you'll have someone knocking on your door at three o'clock in the afternoon going you know would you like a chalk ice and <laughs> um, all the business is done in the kitchen over coffee and he said but you know when, when you're having a bad day and things are not working out you just get up you walk out the door and you go for a coffee or you go for a chat with someone and go for a walk, come back and then you're back to it again. And that's the beauty of co-working spaces in city centres. Mm. There's there's cafes and restaurants all around us. But when we started Boxworks just over two years ago, there was 11 empty premises on Patrick Street. Now there's none. Wow. And you know we create footfall. We've 136 people working in the building. 
and everyone is sort of going you know, half them go to Momo for lunch, they go up the road to the mm. cafe, they go down and get a sandwich out of Duns or whatever. But um, you take it, 136 people spend 100 to 150 euros a week in the city between parking and coffee and lunch and meeting friends and stuff like that. It's, it's good economy. And I think this is the future of city centres that it's not all about retail retail is struggling because of online international competition big shops versus small shops all that kind of thing mm. whereby this kind of thing is like what we used to have in city centres back in the 90s there was dentists and doctors and there was a reason to go to the mm. city all the time and and it just makes it, it, it really had a heart it's yeah it had a heart yeah. of everything that like, had spread out yeah i remember every doctor had a, an office in the city center every dentist and all that and then during the boom they all wanted big fancy places outside the city that we all pay for <laughs> you know so that's the way it was and when did you decide to make the move from chef to publican uh, dodgy stories I, I, I suppose i started uh, I came to Waterford College at the age, I, w I was 16 the day after I started in college and I had done my leave cert and all, my mother threw me into school early and finished early and all that. So I was finished chef college and all before I was 18 and started working in the Audrey Hotel up on the hill and then I got a scholarship to France, I worked over there for a year and went to college over there, uh, came back, uh, back to the Audrey again, manners restaurant in George's Court, one of the first trendy coffee shops there was in mm. Waterford City back in the day. And then that became Lockman's. And I worked there for nine years. And then I had a couple of bad days and a couple of rows and stuff like that. You know, you just, you're stuck in a rut. And I went to, to PJ Reddy over in Reddy's Bar in High Street. Used to be Fitzgerald's, then Reddy's and all that. And, and he's gone, I just went in, double vodka and Red Bull at three o'clock in the afternoon. He goes, what's wrong with you? And I was going, ah, bad at work, I hate that place. And, and he started, ah, oh, right, right, right. Sure, you can come over here and take this place off me. And I'm just going, no, nah, I wouldn't have a clue. And then I had another couple of bad days, went for a drink in the afternoon again, and he's come and talk to me. And it was like a father figure bringing mm. you up to his office and going, look, you can do this, you can do this. And I was going, having a clue how to run a bar. And he said, well, you're always telling me what music to play and quiz nights and all this kind of thing. He said, you, you do the, the carvery and all in Lockman's, you know what's what. And he said, and I said, but I haven't a clue about bar. He says, same as running the kitchen, except for your stock doesn't go off. <laughs> and I'm just going, okay. So um, I went and uh, I did a deal with him to, to lease it for a ridiculous amount of money. Like it's a little small backstreet bar and it was £100,000 before the punt, right? Plus insurance, plus all the bits and pieces to come with it. And I'm just going, what am I doing? And I got a 30 grand remortgage on my house and basically ripped all the lovely carpet up and put wooden floors down and put, I'm a Wexford man, so purple and gold couches <laughs> everywhere, TVs everywhere and all that. And touch wood from the day we opened, we were full for about three years. And I was about, I had done a deal that I could buy the place off him for 1.8 million any time in the first three years. Mm -hmm. And we made so much money in the first eight months. I went to the bank and I said, it's ridiculous paying all this rent. Look at the money that's in the bank. Look at the money we're making. And they gave me a 100% mortgage. Wow. Now imagine that happening these days. Jesus. <laughs> 
So we were there for nearly three years and then um, Eddie Rockets was on John Street and it failed and then it had become a chipper and then it had become an Indian and and next thing um, Bob Tweedy went and got a license to put with it and put it for sale as a pub for I think it was 1.4, 1.5 million and I was going we have to move up there, we have to move up there and Ray's going you're off your head like you know and I said look at this is John Street is the place to be this is going to be nightclub area in years to come we need to get up there and we bought the place we did a deal we bought the place we sold flashes on high street and then instead of sort of moving in we knocked the place to the ground leased the place next door and built revolution Mm. you know and for the first three or four or five years it was absolutely fantastic like it was people flocking in the door good carvery good good cocktails and beer and all that kind of thing and then we extended into over centra as a nightclub extended out the back with the basement bar and the casino and everything was going grand until 2009 2010 and basically the hours fell out of it and we were, our takings were down 80 okay. percent and we were struggling to pay staff and all that kind of thing and but we, we started going we'll put our head down and we'll do it and um we were getting grief from the bank and all other bits and pieces that were going on around us and there was basically no customers going out drinking anymore and we didn't know what we'd do. Very stressful time. Yeah, very stressful time. But that didn't put you off It didn't. It, well, expanding in further no, down the line. Well, it, it, I, I was sort of, I had my back to the wall where Revolution wasn't making enough money to pay the mortgage and the tax man and everything else that was going. And then Oscar's... Uh, became vacant and I was just going what's going on out there it's the middle of 1200 houses you know surely there's a business there so I went to see my friendly bank manager uh, who I owed a fortune to and I was going what's happened with Oscars and he's going oh look your man is gone and it's vacant I said well, there's kids breaking windows and wrecking the place and all that and he said look it, it probably won't be for sale for a couple of years and I said, well, leave me move in as a caretaker. And he goes, what do you mean? And I said, well, a business plan I'll put together for you and I'll go in and do a food operation in there. He said, but everything's gone out of it. And I said, look, I'll buy equipment and all and I'll get it into it. And like all our suppliers were brilliant to us, gave us good credit terms so we could get started and all that. So we ripped the guts out of the place and reconfigured it. And from the day we opened, Oscars was a gold mine and that kept revolution in the black. And now, luckily, both of them are doing extremely well and, you know, mm. Boxworks is doing well and that kind of thing. So, so. which is your, your favourite of your hats? Oh. Like, are you I, I the chef, it, the publican, the entrepreneur, the innovator, the it mentor? It depends. Like, like people, people say to me, you know, you know, you ever in bad humour? You know, yeah, I suppose I am when things go wrong. But every morning I wake up and I love going to work. And I, I'm always so the yeah, I'm always the advocate going, you know, if you hate your job, go do something else. And I've sat down with so many staff over the years who've been bad humor to customers and all that. And I said, What's wrong with you? I just fucking hate this. And I'm just going, Well, quit then. And they're going, You're telling me to quit, you want to get rid of me? I said, No, but if you don't like what you're doing, what's the point in life? Mm. You know, find something you love doing and do that. And then it won't feel like work. And that's the way I am. And I think I love my life at the moment so much because 
I could be in the bar first thing in the morning, in the kitchen at lunchtime, office in the evening, box works at night, and it doesn't feel like work, and you're always chopping and changing roles. You know, there are guys come to me and, and sort of going, look at them opening this, and, and, you know, how do I manage HR, and how do I manage accounts, and all that, and I said, look at, you'll get used to it. Your first couple of weeks and months will be a nightmare. But, like, in a couple of years' time, you'll be going, what was all the hassle about? And it's just learning, you know, how to cope with stuff and all that and and to keep stress at bay, you know. It's sort of don't leave stuff That's get hard on top though, of you. That's hard people working for you and you know, it's all really, their mortgages hinge on your acumen as a business Yeah, person. absolutely. But I think they trust me and we always sit down and go, lads, this is not working out. You know, we need to up our game on service or we need mm. to change our craft beer menu or our cocktail menu or they'll come to you. I, I have two new chefs in Oscars and they're great young guys and they've a great interest in the business. And, you know, he was on to me, why don't we just do all salads next week on the specials menu? So this week in Oscars, yeah, everything is salads from salmon to prawns to beef to whatever, mm. you know. And he said, maybe we'll do this a bit more often. This is working. Maybe a couple of weeks time we'll do all Italian stuff. And, you know, but there, there's a lot of people within our organization of great ideas. And we sort of encourage them to talk to, talk to us about them. I have a, mm. a new young guy who, um, young guy, he's in his 30s, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, he's still young. Um, Michal, who has, he was in some of the best cocktail bars in Dublin, and he had a, has a girlfriend and recently had a child and all that. So he wants to take it easy, keep out of management and just do a job. And I said, will you be able to just do a job? And he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he is the most friendly, customer service oriented guy we have in Oscars at the moment. And besides Keith, he killed me. <laughs> um, but we, one of the lads was leaving recently and we all sat down around the table, had a couple of beers and he just... What about doing this with cocktails? What about doing that with service? What about doing this? So I taught you what you want to be. I'm just giving you ideas. <laughs> and, I was going, and he's going to be a key part, I think, in our future and what we're doing. Mm. And you just take the best of people. Like we've great chefs. We've Keith at the helm and Ray at the helm in, in Oscars who are great at customer service and great at making the place work. Mm. So I don't have to worry about the sort of day-to-day stuff. And it's sort of overseeing it and making sure... Menus are good, pricing are good, suppliers are good, customers are happy, that kind of thing. And that's so important, isn't it, your, your staff? Because yeah. you can be served by extremely efficient, cold people. Yes. Or somebody can forget to bring you your drink yeah. and be really charming in the fact that they forgot. Yes. And you love that. <laughs> you don't mind the fact that they've forgotten because yeah. they've been so charming and so apologetic and so, you know, as if they, they care. Yeah, I think it's really important for service staff to act as if they want to make your night out special yeah, but and that I, they I care. If they're in a good team, yeah. you know, I think caring comes naturally mm. and they do their best. But then there's always mess ups and all that. Like we with a trip advisor recently, you know, I ordered a coffee from the waiter and he forgot it. And I was waiting 10 minutes like these things happen. Ah. You know, the lads are, you know, like we would mm. cover, I suppose, a regular Sunday would be five to six hundred for lunch. Mm. And like things get forgotten and once you apologise or get to look at coffees in the house don't worry about yeah. it you know once you do that 
uh, you know, it's the reaction. Yeah, yeah, it's the reaction when something, and it will go wrong yeah. occasionally. Oh, like, yeah. But it's the reaction that you get yeah. that somebody is not going. Oh yeah, I'll get a few. Yeah. <laughs> you uh, know. But, yeah, but the the buzz I have with customers when they come in on a Sunday, like, you know, it's it's Mr. and Mrs. Murphy come in at twelve o'clock, and they always have two half portions of beef. This family all come in, and you know the kids by name, and the kids are going flash, flash. I want, I want, I want, <laughs> and you look after them, and then you're going. And, and you send to the kids and you have that with mashing carrots. I don't like carrots. If you eat the carrots, you get a free lollipop. And they're going, okay then. Mm-hmm. And they have to bring the plate back to you. And the mother's <laughs> going, they'll never eat vegetables for me. <laughs> you know, this kind of thing. And it's, I don't know, camaraderie or a buzz or whatever, but you will always get a customer come in that will never be happy. I used to know a man who ran a very successful bar in Spain. Mm. And he people would come in the door and he'd go, it's so good to see you again and he'd come out and he'd kiss them and, and only as I got to know him as the years went on mm. the bigger the more effusive a welcome you got the less he knew you when yeah. he knew you he'd go hello Maria how it's nice to see you again <laughs> but other people and but everybody was so charmed at the fact that he remembered them yeah. that just went yards in making people want to come yeah. back like get on really great with your man yeah. like in a bit I walk in the door now and I get a big huge <laughs> welcome and it's only years later I'm going yeah but he really doesn't know who you are yeah. <laughs> if you know the the, the, the I suppose the Calvary Counter and Oscars and the Bar and Revolution. I, I say to the guys in Revolution, you know, if a customer walks in the door, I said, you'd be at the closest part of the bar to him. Hi, how you doing? What can I get for you here for food or drink? And I said, if you do that, they won't start to go, oh, it's quite there. I'll walk and go somewhere else. Mm. I said, you, you make the first connection. And when I went to Calvary and Oscars, it's going, hi, folks, how you doing? Come on, I'll tell you what's good for lunch. And it creates camaraderie straight away. Mm. But as I was saying, now and again, you get a bad one. And I'd have a bit of crack and a laugh with good customers at the counter. So this young girl was in one day and I said, how are you today? I'm all over. She said, what soup? And I said, soup's a hot liquidy substance served in a bowl of brown bread on the side. And all the customers out there started laughing. She goes, look, give me it, whatever it is. And then the next lady was a bit prim and proper. And she goes, if you've that kind of attitude, she said, your comedy won't go far. You might as well go back into town because you won't work here for long. Oh, and I'm going, oh, thanks for that. And I said, you know where the door is now? And she goes, what? I said, well, sure, if you have that attitude, you don't want to get served by me. And you can leave. There's a hundred customers waiting behind you. And all the rest of the customers started clapping. And she stormed out. Good for you. Now, I've Good done that two you. or three times in my life. That's not, that's not uh, the, the, the whole thing. Some people deserve it. But it's just, but like, customer service is a buzz and it's an enjoyment. Mm. And I remember... I was working in my first ever kitchen in Wexford when I was 16, 17, after my first year of college. Pat Myler was the head chef, and he showed me around the place, and he brought me out to the side store, sat me up in a freezer, and he goes, do you really want to do this? And I said, yes. And he said, once you get catering into your blood, you will never walk away from this game, and you will do it till you die. And I'm a firm believer in that. Once you start interacting with customers and doing customer service and all the buzz that's around mm. it, you'll do it until the day you die. That's it. <laughs> no, I, was ex- I often expect to see you with like black circles under your eyes, down to your mouth, because <laughs> I had this idea that you would be working until two or three in the morning I with do. all the different things. Yeah. But you've, like, you've just told me you were on the river for a couple of hours. It was a slab yesterday. You're going <laughs> out for dinner tonight. Like It's not necessarily the nighttime work that I would think it is is it not yes, as it a is. non-drinker you yes, see I'm never yes, in these establishments but, but what, what people say to me is sort of you know, I'd hate to have your job like and you're working until two in the morning on a Friday and a Saturday and a Sunday but Tuesday night is my Friday 
and tomorrow is my Saturday. Oh, of course. You yeah. know, and with catering staff, like you get a couple of whingy staff going, oh, I'd love a weekend off and sort of, but midweek is our weekend. Yeah. And like, I'm, I'm, I'm saying to people like, you can go to a restaurant tonight and you won't have to book a table. You'll be looked after the best ever. The chefs will come out and chat to you because you're in the game. You know, you walk <laughs> to the cinema and have the cinema to yourself on a Tuesday or Wednesday night. Like, I couldn't imagine going out on a Saturday night and queuing for a table and queuing at the bar and queuing yeah. at the cinema. You know, that's not our life. And then if you go out midweek, all the bar staff, guards, nurses, everyone who works unsociable hours are out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night. And they, those are the sociable people mm. that you'll build a life with. And like I've met people from all walks of life who work weekends and now their social time is, you know, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. And that's how we make our life. Before we wrap up, I have to talk to you about something that's very current of the moment and it's driving me mad. Well, two things actually, and I'll mention it. One, no, not the cost of whiskey. <laughs> um, I wouldn't talk to an expert on whiskey about the cost of anything to do with whiskey. One is actually the shortage of chefs. That's one of the things yes. that I wanted to talk to you about. Does that worry you? Do you or want me to go off on a rant now, do you, do you? Off you go. <laughs> uh, we have one of the best training colleges here in WIT in Waterford. And I know the trainers out there and they work their heart out. Uh, Tony Barry set, like normally go to chef school, it's two years, three years and off for the summer. And Tony introduced this thing called an immersion course where you're in at half eight in the morning till half five in the evening, five days a week, sometimes weekends. And you learn at the pace that chefs learn at. None of this classroom and all this. Mm. It's just constant bang, bang. And he will teach you to be a chef in eight months. Okay. And and then get you a job in the States. You, you do, I think, your first placement in Europe, your second placement in the States, and then wherever you want once mm. you've graduated. Um, but Fault Ireland have pulled the funding for chefs in the country. Chefs normally go to college practically free of charge. They don't pay... Mm whatever, the usual fees and all that kind of crack. And it's a subsidised, because it's a tough job. It's it's a low-paid job. And uh, I think, you know, getting into Why college, is it low-paid, though? Because you could poison people. Your, your entire <laughs> reputation, your the establishment's reputation is based on the quality of your food. Yes. Why is it a, a poor-paid job? Well, it, it, it's passion. And, and if you want to pay 50 or 60 quid for dinner, it could be a highly-paid job. But... Most most restaurants, um, kitchens, bars depend on tips and per person's goodwill and that kind of thing. Um, they get a basic wage to start. Well, I suppose most of our staff will start on a ten or an hour, and then as they progress over the years, will get up to bid or position or whatever. But it's generally, you know, uh, we would look at people in in factories and execs and all that 70, 80, 90,000 a year and like a chef never earns that kind of money mm -hmm. but again I said once it gets into your blood it's a passion for doing what you do and most guys have a freedom to do whatever they want to do they can choose the dishes that are on the menu and yes the customers come in and you know it's mental and all that and then it's camaraderie with beer afterwards but going back to Fault Ireland they've pulled funding um, from all the colleges in Ireland to train chefs. We reckon we're short about 2,800 chefs at the moment in Ireland. And then the government, in all their wisdom, said, oh, shall we give uh, work permits to non-EU nationals to come in and work as chefs? Mm. 
that doesn't solve the problem. And then I asked uh, a couple of people in the know, well, where's all the money the Fall Charlin had running the catering colleges around the country? And he said, uh, well, they diverted to marketing and advertising to get Americans and Chinese in Alt Ireland. So what's the point in coming to Ireland if we're going to have no chefs to open sort of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night? It just does not make sense. Mm. And it, it's a rant I had on Facebook recently and got greatly supported by chefs who were sort of going, yes, this is great. On the other hand, I have a young lad working with us in Oscars at the moment who sort of came in a big lump of a lad and going, any jobs going, and I'd love to be a chef and all that. And I said, no, nothing going. I'll pot wash or do anything for you just for a couple of hours. And I was going, I'll give you a bit of hard time pot washing at the weekend or whatever, you know. And it's it's not an easy job. It's tough. You mm. you know, your hands in dirty sinks all day and washing crockery and cutlery and chefs shouting at you and all that kind of thing. <laughs> and then slowly but surely he enamored himself to us and going, can I do some desserts when I'm not busy in the wash Aww. up? And can I prep some food for you? And will you show me how to slice it? And he's with us six, seven months now. And now we have him as, I suppose, 60, 70% chef and, you know, a couple of hours in the wash up. And I firmly believe that we can make him into a brilliant chef in a year or two. That kind and of keenness from somebody yes, is irresistible, yeah. isn't it? You just, when, just the, when they're so to, keen to yeah, do something yeah. and, and move themselves and push themselves yeah. forward and do more, you and just he, can't resist Even it. after a busy night where a couple of things go wrong, you know, he's going, oh. I, I didn't do well tonight. And I said, look at 90% of what we did was brilliant tonight. There's always tough times in the kitchen where something goes wrong. Someone starts shouting and screaming. Someone sends something back. And mm. I said, and you feel like shit for a while. But I said, think of the good times of it. And I firmly believe that, you know, good kitchens can take young people who have a passion for it and build them into very good chefs. Mm. And maybe we need to go back to that. But we need the support of Falch Ireland to train people. Even if it's sort of a one-day week or two-day week course to teach them, you know, how to design a menu and like stuff that I take for granted all the time. One of my new chefs that started back with us, he's in the business six or seven years and he goes, the reason I left, I don't have enough involvement. And I said, like, what do you mean? Now, we had a couple of drinks in him that night <laughs> and he goes, oh, I'd like to design the menu and do the specials and I need to know how to do costing and ordering and I need to know how to work out the logistics behind it and basically run the business. So now I'm throwing stuff at him. Come on, let's do accounts. And he's going, Crap. does that cost? <laughs> like, like, we spent 70,000 last month on food. And I go, yeah. And I said, and then that by margin and staff cost and that's equal. Oh my God, I could never open a place somewhere. But at the age of 19 and 20, I'm going, I could never be a head chef. When I was a head chef, then I could never own my own place. And now it's just scary the way things Do you like giving people chances like that? I do. I love to see new people come in with enthusiasm. Um... <laughs> This is for you, Mark Kearns. He came into us last year and young guy, little bit of bar experience, not much. Now, dropping somebody into Revolution uh, with a little bit of bar experience is a nightmare. We've 103 craft beers, 227 whiskeys. You have to know what the taste like, what genre they come from. Oh, Explain the taste to the customer. Why is that whiskey a tenner and that's a fiver? Why is that whiskey 1,200 quid and that one's 500 quid? And, you know, what beer? How is any whiskey 1,200 quid? It's worth it. It's <laughs> worth it. And Mark uh, worked his way from us and all the way along 
and within three or four months he was competent and confident and, and great we do you can love this um, we do monthly training courses with bar staff in the city they come to revolution we get brewers distillers not to come down this Thursday night we have um, bourbon bourbon tasting <laughs> night how do you know that after the 4th of July you see um, so we, we've uh, six or seven bourbons to taste value of about 50 60 quid for a tenor entrance fee and it's staff and probably a small few customers but staff get really into it and you know there's a lot of camaraderie between the people but it's a great learning curve and they come out with a, with a good knowledge and half twisted mm. <laughs> um, but Mark worked with us for a year and now he can pick any job in any bar in town and they'll go you can serve whiskey you can serve craft beer you worked at Revolution and Oscars and all that and it's about taking young guys like that now I hated seeing him leaving I was going mm. I've wasted a year on training you and now you're gone but they never you know, forget you they never forget no no <laughs> we'll be mates for life but you know these things happen but um there's other staff with us, like Sarah's with us 11, 12, 13 years now, I'd say. And uh, she left to have a child. She came back. Uh, she left because she thought the Faraway Hills were greener uh, to go to another uh, bar restaurant. She was back three days later. Got <laughs> my job back. Um, so I think once you're, once you're good to staff and there's a learning curve and there's a bit of crack behind it, mm-hmm. you know, you have a good team. Now, the final thing I want to talk to you about, which is off the subject of you, if you'll right. go with me on this one, we're experiencing, I'd say by the time this goes out, we will still be experiencing fantastic weather. So everyone is barbecuing. I can't wait till snow. Go on. You can barbecue. <laughs> yeah. I don't think anyone should be allowed barbecue unless they're a chef, because barbecue food is shite if it's done by an ordinary person it all tastes like fire it's horrible what kind of friends have you got another way when the sun comes out everybody thinks they can barbecue these are the people I'm talking about now I'm not talking about the good cooks who just transfer it to the garden and the barbecue I'm talking about the people who because the sun is shining they think that they've become cooks they're usually men I have to say Mm -hmm. they're usually men and they make an arse out of perfectly decent food that if it was cooked in the kitchen would be palatable and it sucks and it tastes awful should it not be against the law for unqualified people to attempt to cook in a garden on a barbecue no we do we do a a, like a come down with me thing and and uh i did the first one and eight or nine of the lads come along and dinner and drinks and all this kind of crack and like the first one is all very respectable and start our main course dessert and wine and all Mm. this kind of crack and then I said, well, who's doing it next? And nobody <laughs> jumped up. So I did the next one. I did a bit of a tapas night, which was quite casual and, and nice. And it's nice having friends around. And uh, they're always on to me. Like, chefs are just prep it, have it ready. <laughs> and the lads will walk into the house and, are we having food? Yeah, yeah, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. And then an hour later, everything comes out of the oven and all, and just a little bit of finishing and all of a sudden it's all, and there's there's no wash-up, there's no pots about it. And they're going, how do you do this? And then one of the lads did a dinner party one night and it was, I think it was a day and a half prepping and getting stuff ready. And he spent his whole night in the kitchen, God help. Oh, God. But look at it, it's... It, the lads are sort of afraid because I'd go for dinner in their house. And I said, listen, I wouldn't care if you had a pizza, mm. a frozen pizza. You know, once there's people around, a couple of bottles of wine, a bit of crack, 
that's what going for dinner is about. It doesn't matter if your burger on the barbecue is burnt. You just put <laughs> sauce on it and eat it. You know, I'm that was fussy. lovely. <laughs> I'd say people, you're coming around to dinner for people and they'd go, oh, Jesus, I because you must set the bar so high for your own come dine with me that did everybody else not go, ah, oh, here, give them the prize. Other people can do it. They're just afraid to take a chance. Yeah. And uh, like we've Mexican friend and he's dying. He's just new to our group. And he's dying to get us over to his place on a Mexican night. And I know he'll burn the face <laughs> off us with chilies. And he'll have stuff and, you know. And then people come to your house and they're sort of looking at food and going, uh, I don't eat fish. I don't eat this. I don't eat that. It's grand. Eat the veg and potatoes. I don't really care. <laughs> you know, you won't offend me by leaving it on the plate. So there's Boxworks 2 in the works. Boxworks 2 is, Is there yes. anything else in the works that you would like to share? Well, that and the app. And a couple of bars. Yeah, there's quite a lot. Like, yeah, I, okay, I think I have okay. enough on my plate. You've enough, you've enough. Why, have you an idea for me? No, no, I was just counting them up there. Well, I lost if, track. If, if I could get a large format shop in the city centre, I would do Oscars Central. Oh, really? That's in the back of my head. That okay. Oscars in the city centre, I think, would work a bomb. But I just can't get a property. Um, you know, there's nowhere, arrive. there's nowhere at that scale, that big, in the city centre with high footfall. Mm. And I would have a buzz off that. That'll get me a year or two of my life, you know. <laughs> Put my head down and work hard again for that kind of thing, you know. Back Chat with Maria McCann. This Back Chat one-on-one featured publican, chef and all-round entrepreneur Jim Flash Gordon. All episodes of Back Chat are available on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Lowe's knows you'll do it right and do it yourself to save on what you need to make stylish updates to your kitchen and bathroom. We do it right too by offering Delta kitchen and bathroom faucets and accessories. Both feature spot shield technology so you don't have to worry about water spots and stains. Stop in today and save on Delta's Valdosta collection. It comes in a variety of finishes so you get the look that's right for you. Whatever project is next on your to-do list, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Lowe's knows you'll do it right to save on what you need to make stylish updates to your kitchen and bathroom. We do it right, too, with savings on the Delta Valdosta kitchen and bath collection. Featuring faucets and accessories with spot shield technology so you don't have to worry about water spots and stains. And for three days only, all new and existing Lowe's credit card holders get 10% off purchases made with your Lowe's card. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Credit offer valid 315 to 317. Subject to credit approval cannot be combined with other credit offers. Exclusions apply. U.S. only.